1: at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Reuters reporter Micah Rosenberg recently uncovered this letter. It was a little strange. It came from an automobile plant in Alabama. And it was addressed to U.S. consular officials in Mexico. What did the letter say?
0: Well, the letter said that they were very desperate for workers. They said that there had been a shortage of workers in Alabama because of COVID and other, you know, related economic disruptions. Yeah,
1: it sounds familiar. I feel like a lot of industries are facing a worker shortage right now.
0: Exactly. And they said specifically that they were under huge pressure from Hyundai to keep up manufacturing and that that there was basically a sort of zero tolerance uh, for slowdowns on the production line. And so, you know, in their own words, they said that they weren't able to find workers locally. And so because of that, they needed to recruit these workers from
1: Mexico. This letter caught Micah's attention because she'd been investigating real problems at this Alabama plant, which specializes in metal stamping. She had documented instances where Mexican engineers had been hired for jobs under false pretenses. She had found numerous OSHA violations. You know, tens of
0: thousands of dollars of OSHA fines uh, over the years at this particular plant as recently as this year, you know, including crush and amputation hazards at the
1: factory. And there was something else. Micah had learned this plant was hiring underaged workers, some as young as 12 or 13. And lots of people knew, including the people working alongside the kids. A lot of times they wouldn't
0: ask necessarily the workers their ages, or if they did ask, you know, they might say that they were older.
1: So the workers kind of knew, but it was a little bit of a don't ask, don't tell situation. Exactly. I feel like a lot of Americans are familiar with the fact that there's a labor shortage right now. There just aren't enough workers for a lot of industries. But do you think that your reporting uncovers a kind of darker side to what's happening in the labor force right now? A desperation among people who are hiring, especially for jobs that are tough.
0: Yeah, well, I think it definitely um, has exacerbated a lot of existing problems uh, you know, in the, the labor supply chain.
1: I think what you're saying is it's been bad, but now it may be even a little worse.
0: Yes, and I think that that's definitely shown in the letter that you mentioned. The company itself is saying to U.S. consular officials in in that letter that, you know, they are really struggling to find the workers that they need.
1: Today on the show... The labor shortage is bad everywhere. But how did this factory reach the point where children got put to work? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. In their reporting, Micah and her colleagues focused on two towns in Alabama, Enterprise and Laverne. They've become home to a large immigrant population, especially from Mexico, Guatemala, and other parts of Central America. People come here ready for jobs in manufacturing, agriculture. You know, these are pretty small communities. There's, uh, you know, a sort
0: of sense of everyone knows everyone <laughs> in in a way and. Many of the migrants live in Enterprise and are bused over an hour every day to this plant in Laverne.
1: For you, your most recent reporting on a child labor violation, it began with the disappearance of a 13-year-old girl. So I'm hoping you can really tell me that story from the beginning. What happened here?
0: So, yeah, so over the course of our reporting, we found out about this uh, 13 year old Guatemalan girl who had gone missing from her home in Enterprise in February. This set off a statewide amber alert for missing children, which flashed across phones and on the entire, over the entire state, said that she was with an adult man. And, you know, that set off this police uh, manhunt, and it ended up that the police were able to locate the two of them on the very same day that she disappeared, and they had actually crossed state lines into Georgia. The man who was also from Guatemala, he was arrested and later deported, but when we got the police records of the incident, we heard on the calls back and forth between the Alabama and Georgia police who were coordinating the search you know, saying that, that the two were actually co-workers and that they had met at work. And you could even hear on the police calls that the, the police officers themselves, you know, sounded surprised uh, that she was so young and working. She was 13, but actually at the time, the police thought that she was 12. We eventually, you know, through our reporting, discovered that she worked
1: at this smart plant in nearby Laverne, Alabama. The smart plant, that's the name of the auto parts manufacturer. It makes parts for Hyundai's flagship plant in nearby Montgomery. Young teens are prohibited from working in factories like this. It's too dangerous. You know, and then we later learned from the police and the family
0: themselves that her two brothers had also worked there. They were 12 and 15 years old.
1: When you talked to the girl and her family, like after all this happened, she was returned. Did she go back to work?
0: No. And, you know, what we discovered is that this incident sort of set off um, internal, we think, um, alarm bells. Uh, the company, uh, we understand uh, that we learned from sources, sort of quietly um, dismissed a number of underage workers, uh, including the girl and her family. So when my colleague spoke with them, her father said that they were really trying to put this incident behind them. You know, they had enrolled uh, the children in school.
1: What's so interesting to me about this story is that it kind of reveals all of the issues with having kids in the workforce. Like it's dangerous. These kids weren't in school, right? Yeah, they weren't in school. And then in addition to all that, you know, this girl was taken by a coworker because once you're in the workforce, you're kind of in an adult space where people are acting <laughs> as adults. It's just it's it's a danger to have a kid in a workplace in a whole other way that I hadn't even thought of. Yeah, exactly. And I think that this is part of the Problem with
0: the whole system is that you know if the uh, if the parents potentially are working in these places, you know they're not um, earning enough money to support themselves and their families. You know potentially their families back home. They feel compelled to you know have their children uh, join them um, in the labor force, and then it is just you know sort of a a chain reaction from there.
1: How does this work? The process of getting a 13-year-old a job, especially in manufacturing, they just don't appear to be of age. Some do at that age, but that's pretty rare. It's not like a simple mistake could have been made here. So if I'm a 12- or 13-year-old who wants to go work at a factory, what needs to happen?
0: You know, what we've learned is that... um you know, for uh, uh, migrants who might not have um, legal work documents, they often can find jobs through various staffing agencies. Uh, And, you know, from speaking to labor experts and workers themselves, we know that these staffing agencies can often have um, lax hiring practices or make minimal checks when hiring.
1: Staffing agencies sound so neutral (laughs) for what (laughs) they're doing. I mean... I don't know, like how is, I guess that is the word you would use, but it is, it is interesting. Staffing agencies sounds like you're hiring a secretary or something.
0: Yeah. You know, staffing agencies, labor recruiters, you know, sometimes um, uh, there have been cases where, you know, they have um, veered into labor traffickers. You know, there's a broad, broad range, I think that falls under that umbrella, Um, You know, these types of intermediaries are are very, very common throughout the United States and in a bunch of different industries. Uh, They're often used without any problem at all. Uh, But, you know, what labor experts and and, um, current and former officials have told us is that sometimes these companies can use, um, you know, these types of firms as a kind of buffer for unsavory hiring practices. So they can say, you know, oh, we didn't know what was going on because the workers came from these third-party labor recruiters.
1: Which, of course, you know, relies on you saying, well, do you have eyes? (laughs) Can you see how old the children are, though? What we have seen in some cases
0: is that the company will say, well, you know, this third-party hiring firm, you know, they hired the workers, they vetted the workers, they said that they passed their IDs, you know, through federal checks sometimes. And that's as far as we need to go in terms of our our own checks.
1: When we come back, the smart plant in Laverne, Alabama, it isn't the only place where exploitation happens. But it's hard to address without harming the migrants themselves. We'll talk about why. You've also investigated the use of child labor in the poultry industry, looking into chicken processing plants just actually up the road from that auto part manufacturer, Smart, where the 13-year-old went missing. Can you talk to me about that industry? Because it seems like for years, the poultry industry has been something that the U.S. government has been aware child labor can be used here and is used with some frequency.
0: Yeah, well, we first started looking at Enterprise Alabama actually earlier this year when we learned that U.S. officials had uh, some growing concerns that um, unaccompanied minors who had crossed the border alone and usually passed through government shelters and then are released to relatives in the United States, we learned that there was a, a, a larger number than usual being released to this particular town. We found that investigators didn't find labor trafficking per se, but they found this sort of much more common type of arrangements where uh, minors are able to uh, come and find jobs. And so, you know, we we profiled um, one particular teenager who had had traveled to the United States by herself, and she was released to relatives and Enterprise.
1: This teenager's name is
0: Amelia. And then just, you know, days after she arrived, she, she was able to get an ID card, a fake ID card, a fake ID card where, you know, the ID brokers can say, you can basically sort of pick your age, you know, to say that you were older than she was, she was 16 and she within days got, got a job in a, in a chicken processing plant.
1: And she needed that money, right? Like she had paid thousands of dollars to a smuggler to get her here.
0: Exactly. And you know, these workers are are very vulnerable because of that. You know, they're often paying off very, very expensive debts uh, for their journeys to the United States, which can be very dangerous as well. They are helping their families here in the U.S., bringing money into the household, and then at the same time are supporting relatives abroad. And uh, oftentimes, you know, they're fleeing uh, difficult and, and dangerous situations at home.
1: Did Amelia see any problem with what she was doing, or did it just feel like what she had to do?
0: I think she felt, you know, this, this was a very run of the mill thing for, for a lot of these workers. I mean, they come here to work, you know, they um, may have worked in their home countries um, starting from a young age and um, are, are, are really seeing as as a necessity to help their families. Um, You know, this is one reason why it's very difficult um, to get uh, workers to speak up about um, problems or conditions at the plant, because oftentimes, you know, these jobs are essential for them and there's a real vulnerability. They can sort of be hired or fired at will.
1: You put your finger in your reporting on something else, which is that this issue with child labor may be getting worse Because so many more unaccompanied minors seem to be being intercepted at the border than before. Can you explain that a bit?
0: Yeah, well, there's definitely been a large increase in the number of migrants being arrested at the border. Many, many of them are sort of quickly turned around. There's a policy in place now since the COVID epidemic where where many people can be expelled. But in the case of unaccompanied minors, the Biden administration exempted them from that particular policy to prevent them from being sent back uh, to danger in Mexico. So just because of the sort of overall increase of, of migrants, um, there are a lot who are who are getting through.
1: It's interesting because President Biden has said he, he wants to stop raiding plants that may be employing migrant workers. I wonder looking at the situations you've chronicled at auto and poultry plants, like, is there an argument that without doing those kinds of raids or something similar, you're going to not uncover real abuses that are happening too? like for people who, who work in this area? Like what do they want to see done at this point to prevent the child labor that you reported on?
0: Yeah, well, you know, and I think in some ways it's the most difficult part of this reporting because, you know, as you said, the Biden administration has said that they do not want to do uh, widespread workplace raids. And they um, have instead said that they want to focus on uh, holding employers accountable uh, who might be uh, violating laws. Um, And in fact, earlier this year, they issued some guidance uh, for migrants who might, um, you know, act as whistleblowers that they can Uh, request um, a letter of support to get deferred action, which would mean they would be protected from deportation and, you know, could potentially get uh, valid work permits. So being a whistleblower could work for you in terms of immigration rather than against. Exactly. And I think that was the intention of these types of rules. The problem is, is that in practice, this is, uh, you know, very difficult to implement just because, You know, first of all, a lot of people might um, not know about these protections or how to access them. You know, they might need the support of nonprofits or immigration lawyers, you know, who might not be, um, you know, very numerous in these uh, isolated areas uh, where some of these factories are. Um, So, you know, on on paper, um, I think advocates have been pleased to see these types of changes uh, in the Biden administration, which is a, a big departure Um, from the Trump administration, which very explicitly focused on workplace raids. But I think for, you know, migrants themselves, um, they can see that, you know, very quickly uh, policy can change from one administration to another.
1: Yeah, Do you think any of the migrants you spoke with would speak up if they noticed a 12 year old working down the line from them?
0: They didn't willingly. People spoke to us uh, mostly anonymously. Um, you know, a lot of, uh, former workers, uh, spoke to us who, um, you know, were no longer at the plant and, you know, who might not be at as much risk of speaking out. Um, so I do think that there's, you know, an incentive to, to not make these, uh, stories public.
1: Do you, do you like look at your products differently now? Like chicken cars, I feel like you've spent a lot of time researching, the really awful ways these very common things come to reach the rest of the United States. Do you think about it all differently? Yeah.
0: Well, you know, that's an interesting question. And I feel like it sort of goes back to, you know, I started reporting for for Reuters um, many years ago back in, in Guatemala. I was based there um, and in Mexico I was abroad for seven years And, you know, during my time there, I really saw how a lot of these sort of common day uh, products are made and how they come into the supply chain. And, you know, oftentimes there were children working in the coffee fields, um, picking coffee plants, you know, uh, in some ways people expect that in the United States that labor conditions should or would be better, um, than they are abroad. But, um, I think that this reporting shows that, you know, there's often vulnerabilities for workers and, and, you know, places where they, uh, can be in a lot of danger, you know, making everyday goods that we consume sort of without thinking about it.
1: Michael Rosenberg, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the conversation.
1: Micah Rosenberg is the national immigration reporter for Reuters. She co-authored her recent investigation with Joshua Schneier and Christina Cook. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Carmel Dalshad, Shad, Madeline Ducharme, and Mary Wilson. We are getting a ton of support right now from Jared Downing and Diana Rubinova. We are led by Alicia Montgomery and Joanne Levine. And I'm Mary Harris. Go track me down on Twitter. Say hello. I'm at Mary's desk. Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW proof. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.